divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. If the devil can get you alone and the devil can keep you alone, you might think that you're strong enough. But it's only a matter of time before he's conquered you because he's divided you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to jump back in. We've been talking for the last few weeks about spiritual warfare, and uh, uh, there's just so much to talk about. But today what I want to do is I want to I help us to understand that there is a battle going on for the destruction of the church. We've talked about a lot of the the individual aspects of it. But Satan actually wants to destroy the church. This is one of the main reasons, if you notice, there's not a whole lot of churches that work together. And I believe that this is a strategy of hell, that Satan has very well accomplished. We understand the old strategy of war, divide and conquer. Isolate, and you're able to overcome in, in the church world, I believe the church, and just listen to what I'm saying, I believe the church is already conquered. And the reason I believe that is because it's been denominationalized. Satan has effectively divided the church. People say, well, preacher, are you a denomination? No, we're a, denomina- a non-denomination. But even non-denomination has become a denomination. Okay, why? Because one church won't work with the other church, won't work with the other church. Ladies and gentlemen, if the church of Jesus Christ is going to do what it's supposed to do in these last days, the church better come together. The churches of flag had better become the church of flag if we expect to reach the city of flag. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Yes, we've got to do this. We got to get our heads out of the sand and realize this isn't a, a your thing, my thing, his thing, her thing. This is a God thing. And God wants us to get our act together. Uh, and if that comes across offensively, please, I ask you to forgive me uh, for, you know, maybe the, the terminology or the semantics of it. But the fact is, it's the only way it's going to happen. Every victorious assault the enemy has ever leveled against the church, he has done from within the church. Why? He learned that nothing from the outside of the church ever destroyed the church. It was always from within the church. Matter of fact, everything on the outside happening against the church just strengthened the church. 
I don't know if you've been watching these so-called freedom movements called the Arab Spring and, and uh, in Asia and, 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 and China and, 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 uh, and the Middle East and stuff. There are more Christians dying today than there ever have been. P- Christian pastors just taken out of their churches, lined up and shot and said, anybody want to follow? Have you been seeing this stuff in the news, folks? It's not getting a lot of press in the national media. I get a lot of, a, a lot of news from around the country, from Israel itself. I get news from Egypt itself. I get news from some of these Middle Eastern countries themselves that talk about all of these Coptic Christians that are, that are literally being martyred for the cause of Christ. And you know what's happening in Egypt? You know what's happening in, Israel, in, 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 uh, in the Middle East? You know what's happening in China? The church of Jesus Christ is exploding. There's more people getting saved. Every time the church is assaulted from the outside, it grows. It's strengthened. And when you and I begin to understand the strategies of Satan, the strategies of the enemy, he will and always has been defeated. The problem is, in the church, most of us are blinded. As we looked at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 4, a few weeks ago, the God of this world has blinded the minds, blinded their understanding that they might not see what's going on. And I, I use this little saying that I've had for years and years and years, that the devil has no new bag of tricks. He just has a new bag of fools. And you and I that don't stand against the opposition of the enemy become those fools. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there may be no divisions. Say that with me. No divisions among you. But that you would be perfectly united, that word perfectly would be better translated, would be very mature in your unity, in mind and thought. And then he goes on to expound upon what he's talking about here, that in Chloe's household, there's, there's been reputation of rumors and quarrels. One says, I'm of Paul. One says, I'm of Apollos. One says, I'm of Cephas. Another says, I'm following Jesus. And Paul writes, and he said, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Look at me for just a minute. There's not a single man or woman in this church that have not had somebody that you have invited to church say, why should I go to your church? What makes your church different? Anybody, am I making sense today? Why is your church different than than church A or church B or that church? You know why? Because Satan has effectively divided the church. Therefore, he has effectively conquered the church. God forbid that a pastor would recommend, we, we, we just, we just uh, do a, a monthly men's meeting. We had a dozen of our guys, and we take them, we, the biggest we've had is about 15 or 16 of our guys, but we take them over to Pastor Joe Weidinger's church on Schweitzer Canyon. Pastor, you're taking your men to another church? What if they want to stay? Bye. Oh, that's rude. Hey, I learned a long time ago, fat sheep don't wander. I feed you good. 
And if I feed you the word of God, where are you going someplace else for? You say, well, pastor, what if they do go? Maybe God wants them to. Whose church is this? I know back in the day when I, we started the church, my wife and I started the church three years ago with just her and I. I was going to call it Tim's Temple. Okay, bad, bad humor, bad humor. But it does, T.T., Tim's Temple. Andrew, okay. Actually, I was pastoring in Tyler, Texas, and I'd drive around town just looking at the names of churches thinking, my goodness, I saw Baptist Church. I saw First Baptist. I saw Second Baptist. I saw Third Baptist. It gets stranger. I saw regular Baptist. I saw irregular Baptist. And I saw probably a half a dozen churches named after the preacher. I saw Dale's Temple. Go Google it out sometime. The church names of Tyler, Texas. Paul said, guys, is Christ divided? We took a bunch of guys to Pastor Joe's church. And Daniel Williamson from Lamb of God was preaching. Pastor Joe preached one month, and I preached one month. This is heresy. Getting men from other churches together? Pastor, you better watch it. It's going to bite you. Who do you belong to, folks? Are you of Joe? Are you of Danny? Are you of Tim? Or are you of Christ? But Satan has effectually, effectively neutered the church. Can I say that in church? Just, okay. Folks, you all are amazed at what I say. You'd be more amazed if you knew what I wasn't saying. If we are to defeat Satan in the church, you and I have to stand strong in our minds, knowing the truth, standing in the truth, And when we're not sure of the truth, the Bible says our spirit will check us to say, "Uh uh-uh, and go search the truth when the lies come, because they will. Look what Isaiah 26 says. God will keep us in perfect peace, all those who trust in him, and whose minds are fixed, whose thoughts are fixed on him. Real quick this morning, let me take you through this. Everything God does, as far as redemption, salvation, and Christian living, is done through the church. I didn't write this, I just preach it. Everything. Matter of fact, it was Jesus Christ who started the church. And this is why the church has always and will always be under attack. Why? Look what Matthew 16 says. It says the revelation of who Jesus is was the foundation of the church. Peter was there and and Jesus said, Peter's former name, Simon, said, Simon, Simon, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, the rock. Not that Peter was a rock, 
But it was the rock of the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he said, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus said upon that rock, the revelation that God revealed to Peter that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the Messiah, which literally means the anointed one and his anointing. He said upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And listen to what he said. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. He said... Yeah, the devil's going to slice, he's going to dice, he's going to come in and he's going to pulverize, but he's not going to prevail. Can somebody say amen? amen? The revelation of Jesus Christ is done through the church. The mystery of redemption, Ephesians 3, is done through the church. He said his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms, speaking of the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness and high places that we find in Ephesians 6, just three chapters later. He said, I'm letting them know it's my church that my mystery is being revealed through and redemption of all the ages will be accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number three, let me just quickly tell you, any hope of successful Christian living will be done through the church. Now, I know for some of you Bible scholars, you're going to sit back and say, well, pastor, is not the church really the ecclesia, the called out ones of Christ? It is not a building. It is not a formulation. It is not some kind of structure. That sounded pretty good, didn't I? That was sassy. Yeah. yeah. And you're correct. And you're correct. But God's intention at the very beginning was the assembling of the church. You and I individually are the church. But see, it's that mindset that the enemy has gotten us to believe that said, oh, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. And I, I agree. I, people ask me all the time, say, Pastor, do I have to go to church to be saved? No. Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? No. Do I have to go to church? No. Well, then what's the problem? Then I tell them, if you don't go to church, you won't stay saved. You won't stay a Christian. Why? Because you will be a fool that the enemy will play for his glory. What's the enemy do? I love watching animal shows. My wife will we'll sit on the couch at nighttime. Well, she lays on the couch. I sit on the couch. Her feet are propped in my lap. And I'm rubbing her feet every night. Some of you wives missed a great place to elbow your husband. I'm. Any guys get the elbow just then? Okay. I'm rubbing her feet. And she falls asleep. Well, we're usually watching the news when all of a sudden I'll flip channels. Because I love animals. And inevitably I'll find an Africa channel. And her eyes will open just as soon as Simba is chewing on Bambi. Her eyes are, ah, I can't go to sleep watching that. Well, then close your eyes. <laughs> Just go back. But what was the strategy of that lion? Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. If the devil can get you alone and the devil can keep you alone, you might think that you're strong enough. But it's only a matter of time 
before he's conquered you because he's divided you. Can somebody say amen? amen? Rick, this is good preaching. I'm glad I came this morning. This, I needed to hear this stuff. God expects us to live a successful life in community through the church. As a matter of fact, he requires that we continue to grow in our involvement with him through the involvement in the church. Ephesians 3 says, To him be all glory in in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. This is why the unity of the brethren is so critically important. This is why Paul told the Corinthians, If you're going to fight, fight for unity. Why? Because Satan wants a divide that he can destroy. So this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to just look at how Satan works is at work in the church to accomplish his sole objective, which is to divide and conquer so he can ultimately destroy. When Satan realized that his external pressure only strengthened the church, he turned everything inwardly. And how did he do that? Let me give you some of the key phrases by division. You say, Pastor... Division. Okay, show me division in the church. How many are sitting in the same chair you sit every week? God forbid somebody came in and took your chair. Now, this preacher has been a little antagonistic, and some of you can say amen. I've had you pick your stuff up, and I've moved the entire church before, haven't I? And how many still love me? Good. It, it, it's, it is something that happens. If you come walking in and you happen to sit where Patrick sits, I mean, Patrick and Laura sit in that same place every week. Well, that same vicinity. And I know Patrick's a tender, loving, gracious guy, aren't you, Patrick? Go ahead and wave at everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wouldn't hurt a fly unless you tried to take his chair. <laughs> Division. I am just only kidding. Patrick would, he, you know, you want to sit up here, Pat? Like you wouldn't, yeah, Division, arguments. How many ever came to church and fought over the last cookie? Man, Harrison almost jumped out of the sound booth back there. Think about it. I've come back after visiting with everybody looking for a morsel, a crumb. I felt felt like the Syrophoenician woman. Even the dogs get the crumbs, Lord. I didn't get anything. There wasn't a crumb left. Arguments over, can I use this word? Stupid things. How many ever argue with somebody over something stupid? In the church? Oh, the less hands went up. I can't believe this, yeah. How about this? Hurt feelings. How does Satan work in the church? That little red pitchfork guy up on your shoulder there. I don't know if the devil's red. I don't have a clue. But he's up there saying, well, the pastor walked right past you. Didn't even say hi. This is the third time today he has done it. And now your feelings are hurt. Look at somebody and grab their hand and say, oh, poor thing. How many got their feelings hurt in church? How many have I hurt? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't. I did that one time and... Two-thirds of the church raised their hands. I hurt their feelings. 
anger, bitterness. Oh, here's, I know this doesn't apply in our church, but I, I thought I'd throw it in there. Unforgiveness. You say, well, how is Satan at work in the church? I just listed off a half a dozen things. And can I tell you something? If I went through this church, I could find every one of these things affecting almost every one of you. Strategies of hell to cause division that he can ultimately divide you, therefore to conquer. Can I hear you say amen? How does Satan cause the adversity? Matthew 24 says, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. False prophets will arise and lead many astray. How come? Because lawlessness will increase. The love of many will wax cold. You know what he's saying? He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's saying because of this lawlessness, because of this this dog-eat-dog world we live in, because of this society that basically says, I'm going to do what I want to do whether you like it or not. The love of many in the church is going to get colder and colder. And here's some of the methods that Satan uses when he gets people to, to justify their hurt and qualify their leaving number one gossip like i said this message really doesn't apply to this church i just thought i'd bring it in and 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 preach it to you and maybe you'll get something out of it but gossip let me define gossip very simply anything said that causes someone to think less of the one being spoken about You see, the Bible very specifically demands, it doesn't request, it doesn't suggest, it demands that you and I speak in an uplifting and edifying term, even of our enemies. How many did you ever get mad at somebody and and didn't say nice things about them? See, hardly any hands went up. I told you it didn't affect this church. Look what Ephesians 4 says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful to building the needs of others. Gossip. Don't raise your hand, but how many have done it? See how the conviction power of God, you could not raise your hand, did you? You had to raise your hand. Folks, it is a hard thing. To stay out of. Why? Because we get hurt feelings. We get frustrated. We get aggravated. We get agitated. And any of the other of the Tate family that would show up. How about this one? Taking up another's offense. You know, basically what this is, this is called picking sides. See, I'm telling you how Satan works inside the church. How Satan is at work inside the church. Because I know that John offended Andrew, and I like Andrew. I don't even have a clue what it's about. All of a sudden, I'm ticked off at John. And I don't even know what happened. Now, let me tell you the problem with this. John and Andrew got it worked out, but they didn't tell me. So I'm still walking around. I'm ticked off at John. Why? He hurt my friend. And I don't know what John did. Matter of fact, John don't know what John did. But I don't like John. I took up an offense. Don't look at me like that because all of you have done it too. We take up offense because we're trying to protect our friend. 
And it doesn't matter if our friend's right or wrong. That's not an issue. They're just our friends, so we're going to stand up for them. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? I will stand up for my friend, but I'll, I'll bust their butt if they're wrong. Can I say that in church? Was it okay, Wes? It was, I did it already, didn't I? You've got friends visiting. They're thinking, what in the world have you brought us to? Think about it. We take up somebody's offense. And we don't even know why. Well, I, that's the right thing to do. Where does it say that? Well, it doesn't. It, it just is. It is the right thing to stand up for your friend. But you know what the Bible says? If your friend's out of line, go to him in love and correct him or her. How is Satan work in the church? Do you know how many people leave church because they get offended and they take their offense to another church? They're not healed. They're not whole. They're not helped. They're walking around with a chip on the shoulder. You know why? They're just waiting for it to happen again. Why? It happened there. It's going to happen here. And I've shared this with you, and I love you to death, please. The problem is not the church. The problem is you. Because we have taken this offense and decided to live with it instead of do something about it. So when you leave the church and you're offended, guess what? That offense just goes with you. You know what I do in our church? If I know somebody has come to our church and I know where they have come from, I will go to the other pastor of the church they came from and tell them so-and-so is in our church. Say, Pastor, why are you doing that? Because I want to deal with the offense. Because I know it's there. You see, why would you, why would anybody want to leave this church? I mean, come on. You got the greatest group of loving people in town. You got the, you got the greatest worship in town. Oh, you're, you're, you're matching your shirt there, Andrew. Yeah, yeah don't do that. Oh, that was the, yeah, that was the light. Okay. Anyway. And, of course, you got the greatest pastor in town. I'm, I, and some of you are getting offended because I'm talking this way, aren't you? But think about it. Why would somebody leave a church? Except they're preaching heresy. Except they're preaching uh, uh, non-Christian things. I was talking to a fellow the other day on the, at my wife and I were at a place and this guy was telling about, talking about a pastor uh, in one of the surrounding cities. And the pastor's preaching about how they believe that Jesus and, was a homosexual and that uh, Jesus and John were in a relationship. And, and the guy said, what do you think about that preacher? And I said, I'd be firing that preacher. I'd be railroading him out of town as fast as I could. Well, yeah, but you, and if I named the denomination, you sit back, oh, it can't be. This what he's talking about, dear? Oh, yeah, if, the, if people are, happen to be, if they're on Mars or something at that time and the rapture happens, they won't go. Because they're out of the... 
Folks, there's some interesting things. There's reasons to leave a church. But the church is preaching the word of God and advocating the promises of God and the purposes of God. It ain't one of them. Can you say amen? amen? Now listen to me. There are times that God wants you to leave. And it could be that time. That's not a problem. But do yourself something. Talk to the pastor. Leave correct that you can enter correct. Have I done meddled enough this morning? Third thing, unforgiveness and bitterness. This is how Satan works in the church, ladies and gentlemen. Let me call it what it's called. Did I put this in your notes? Unforgiveness and bitterness is just simply unfulfilled revenge. That's all it is. It's you and I trying to get right, getting the rights. They hurt me, bless God, they need to be hurt. How many ask God like Mark and John, call fire down from heaven before? God, turn them into a crispy critter. Get, get him. Am I the only one that's done that? I've done that. Yes, since I've been a pastor, I've done that. Is it okay if this preacher can be honest with you? Oh, don't worry, I repented immediately afterwards because I realized my flesh was getting the best of me. But the truth is, folks, God said vengeance is mine. He doesn't share it with anybody else. Hebrews 12 says, be at peace with everyone. Why? Because if not, you will not see the Lord. I didn't write it, folks. We just preach it. Do not let wrong thoughts about others get started in you. Bad mouthing, you ever... You say, Pastor, okay, I made a mistake. Folks, I'm talking about how Satan works in the church. He will use the best of us. And no, I don't have a mouse in my pocket. He will use the best of us to say the worst about us. But I learned something a long time ago. If somebody will talk to me about you, it won't be long before they're talking to you about me. Just the way it is, folks. Just the way it is. Don't look at wrong thoughts started. If you do, many people will, retur- will be returned to a life of sin. Because the love of many waxes cold. Because people are turning away from the things of God. Truly, if we fail to love our enemies, love those people that have hurt us, we fail the test of loving God. Pastor, what do you mean? Look at 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who, who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he say he loves God who he hasn't seen? I've heard people say, Pastor, you don't know how I was hurt. You don't understand. I cannot forgive. No, I, I do understand. Why someone would not want to forgive. I do. I've had some horrific things have happened in my past. I understand. But folks, in light of Calvary, I can't justify it. When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't have a clue what they're doing. We must go back and forgive that they cannot hurt us again and therefore we can heal 
of our hurts. Jesus said offenses are going to come. In other words, other people are going to hurt us. It's just going to happen. But our life must not be defined by those hurts. What's another way that the enemy works in the church to cause adversity? We talked about it already. Christian love grows cold. Do you know why? If you're sitting here this morning, I want you to listen to me. If you don't find the joy and the zeal and the compassion or passion that you once had, I can almost guarantee it's because there's a root of bitterness someplace in your life that is trying to choke the life out of you. There's something that has happened that the enemy has been able to fester. Ever, ever, ever have a splinter and it festered on you? You tried to get, you thought you got it out, but all of a sudden it was down deep and you had to take a knife and go whittling. You all ever do that kind of stuff? You just go digging for it, trying to get it all out? Well, that's what happens a lot of times in Christians. We just superficially say, oh, I'm okay. But then when you see the person, you can't even look at them. When you're around the person, you can't even talk to them. Well, you just don't know what they did. Don't care. You're supposed to be a Christian. Am I doing okay today? Am I thoroughly offending you? (laughs) Think about it. Who is it really hurting? When Christian love grows cold, usually because of bitterness, unforgiveness, taking offense, or gossip, love grows cold because pain has gotten hot. Yet, understand, it is our cooling love for Christ that is causing our cold love towards those that Christ loves. We sit back and say, well, God, you shouldn't have let this happen. Ladies and gentlemen, when a heart hardens towards others, it is only hardening towards God. To withdraw from other Christians because of pain is simply a smokescreen of hell to cover the coldness that we have in our own hearts towards God. 1 Timothy 4 says, The Spirit speaks expressly, In the last days some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, teachings that come through hypocritical liars because their consciences have been seared. Let me wrap this up. Or I could say in closing, but our church realizes when the pastor says closing, it doesn't mean anything at all. Because of past hurts, you know what Satan does? He inflicts eternal pain in some people. But what I want to understand this morning is that we can overcome it. But here's what has to happen. We've got to deal with our own pride. Folks, please look at me. Yes, they did wrong. Yes, they hurt. Yes, whatever you want to fill in the blank. But it's our pride that disallows our healing. Why? Because we want vengeance. We want retaliation. We want them to get what they deserve. Are you with me? That's what we want. And all that is, is our pride. And this is the strategy of Satan that propels cold love and bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, and even gossip. Oh, we can't stop talking about them. We just can't stop talking good or bad about them. How do we identify this tool of hell? 
Pride comes in the form of a false concern. Well, I'm concerned about this person. I'm concerned about that person. But there's nothing positive about it. Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What is another thing that begins to happen when coldness starts taking over? We start getting less and less committed. We start pulling out of things. We were involved in a ministry. We were involved in an activity. We were involved in relationships. All of a sudden, now we pull out. We're not committed anymore. We're not involved anymore. And I hate to tell you, but it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with our own pride. Because we feel, well, I'm going to hurt them. I'm not going to be involved with them anymore. That's going to hurt them. I'm going to hurt the church. I'm going to leave. Am I making sense at all this morning? That's what I'm going to, I'm going I'm to hurt. But who are you hurting? Who are you really hurting? Us. Ourselves. The body of Christ. There's some people, they've been so hurt, I don't need a preacher. I don't need a teacher. I don't even need church anymore. I can do this on my own. 2 Timothy 2 says, My child, be strengthened by the grace of Christ that is in you. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful that can teach others also. Hebrews 10 says, Let us think of ways to motivate each other to love and good works. And do not neglect meeting together, as some people already have. But encourage people to meet together, especially as you see the day of the Lord's return drawing there. Satan's strategy to destroy the church. In Flagstaff, they say, you know, that several churches start every year, but most of them die within the first two years. Why? Because of the enemy that's here. Because of the, the, the work of hell that's here. Because of the... the, the uh, uncommitted mindset because of this being a transient city. I found that most who lack involvement and commitment usually do so because of hurt or selfish ambitions. What's another word? Pride. James 3. But if you have bitter envy or self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above it. It comes from the earth, is sensual and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking interest is, let me change those words, where pride and retaliation are, confusion and every evil work, evil work, evil thing is there also. As I conclude this, and I really am concluding, what do we have to do about this conflict? How do we overcome There is no victory over Satan if all we're doing is repeating fault-finding, accusations, gossip, self-seeking. There's only one way to overcome the enemy. Let me take you to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. The Bible says that the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. The one who accuses God's people day and night... But let me put up the next passage. This tells us how to overcome. It says, they have overcome, they have conquered the enemy. How? 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Because they loved not their lives unto death. So let me quickly say, the blood of the Lamb, they realize it's not a matter of what they've done. It's not a matter of what the devil's done. It's a matter of what Christ's done. That's what makes the difference. And they live their life under the blood of the Lamb, under what Christ has done. It is as old as the ages. The battle in the church has always been a battle against the relationships of the church. Trying to put a wedge in families, trying to put a wedge in ministries, trying to put a wedge in the midst of what God is trying to do. Ephesians chapter 4 says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life that is worthy of your calling as you have been called by God. Listen to what the scripture says. Always be humble and gentle. You can't be very proudful and arrogant when you're humble and gentle. Can you say amen? Always be humble and gentle. And now I'm going to start some Christian cussing. Be patient. Away with such a word. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together in peace. Because we're one body, folks. You see, every child of God needs to come to the realization we are who we are because of the blood of Christ. And the minute we step out of the covering of the blood, we'll fall into every area of disrepair. Can you say amen? You may be here this morning, you might be offended, you might be bothered, you might be irritated. It might have been the worship leader. I don't like the way Andrew sings. I don't like the songs he sings. I don't like the way he... There's a whole lot of I in that, isn't there? I think God pretty much likes the dude. I'll pray about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. See, it's not about what he's done. It's about what Jesus has done. It, it, it might be the, the youth leader that you don't like. It might be somebody you used to be a friend with. It might even be the pastor. But the Bible says the word to love, to tolerate, to help, to encourage, to instruct, to guide. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us on Calvary. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring that to 2013. In light of eternity, every single man or woman that hurts you, that call themselves a Christian, do not understand what they've done. Why? Because they've walked out of the covering of the blood and into the covering of the flesh. And God wants to set them free by bringing them home. But it's going to take your love and mind to help them do it. It's going to take your love and mind to help them do it. I said it's going to take your love and mind to help them do it. They overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. The second thing in the word of their testimony. Let me make this statement. I don't know if I left it in your notes. Maybe I did. The sword of God's word. Don't ever use God's word against somebody. You might think you have the right But Jesus nailed his rights to Calvary. The sword of God's word should never come out of your mouth until it has first pierced your heart. 
God, why am I doing this? Why do I have this feeling? Why do I have... Do you see how, the, how Satan works in the church? Am I making sense this morning how Satan works in the church? Do you think that maybe, just maybe, you might have been a pawn of the devil in the church at one time or another? I know I have. It is here that the strongholds of life have to be confronted. What is the word of my testimony? If I can use an old southern term, come hell or high water, I'm going to do right. You see, I learned a long time ago, it's never an issue of right or wrong. It's always an issue of doing right in the midst of the wrong. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is for God's people to dwell in unity. The last thing that they did, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And put this up there, Harrison, please, the very last line. Because they did not love their lives unto death. Look at me. That goes right back to that word pride. The problem is not the problem. The problem is the pride. The same thing that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. He was lifted up in pride. It's the same area that you and I deal with in our lives. When we will not just let go and let God. We just won't let go of something. Why? Bless God, they shouldn't have done this to me. You're right. They shouldn't have hurt me. You're right. They shouldn't have offended me. You're right. But they did. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I, I, I'm going I'm to stand up for them. Good. Go to hell with them. mean how do you say we love God who we haven't seen if we can't love the brother who we do see are we not loving our lives a little too much you see division can also be defined as glorified self love I put this wedge in there because I did not like something you see when we walk close to God We don't find criticism. When we're walking hand in hand with God, we're not looking for faults. We're not uh, becoming bitter. We're not getting angry. We're not looking for our rights. Why? Because like Christ, we nailed him to a tree. All true believers desire to be right with God and all of his children really want and I know everyone in here wants a closer walk with the Lord but I leave you this morning understanding the battle rages Satan works in the church and I wish because I preached these last four messages that that was going to end it all but it's not Why? His objective is to destroy the church. And how does he do it? By getting you and I on his team. That's how he does it. 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.